As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The presenting sponsor of The Audible is Trader Joe's. It's our favorite grocery store. For my family, we're there every week at one point or another. And I know Stu is probably trying to find a Trader Joe's somewhere on his vacation right now. If you want to check out Inside Trader Joe's, it's a five-part podcast series that will take you inside, literally, Inside Trader Joe's. Go inside Trader Joe's tasting panel, travel to wineries in Napa Valley, and around the world to discover the next great Trader Joe's product. You can also discover why they wear those extremely cool, super fashionable Hawaiian shirts. you find Inside Trader Joe's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible. I am Bruce Feldman. No Stu Mandel today. He is on vacation. Still on vacation. He's somewhere in this great country of ours. I believe he'll be getting back to Northern California later this week. It's that time of year for most of us where summer vacation is pretty much over if you're in the college football space. Media days kick off next week. With that said, what I wanted to do was bring on a couple of friends of mine who work in college football but really work in the business where they're pretty busy in the summer, whether it's with the Elite 11 or the opening. We have Joey Roberts, who's a name that we've talked about before, who's really tied in with the Elite 11. He's a former ESPN guy who's made a career inside football. He's got a pretty amazing story of how he got to where he's at, which I think you guys will really appreciate. And he's also got really good perspective because he spent a lot of time around not just the top high school quarterbacks, but also a lot of the top college quarterbacks. And a little later on the podcast, we'll be joined by former USC assistant, Pac-12 Network analyst Yogi Roth for his perspective on another aspect of what goes on at the opening and how they're really trying to help make the kids not just better players, but better people. And I think that will be a fun discussion and it'll be a pretty interesting one. Let's start off with Joey Roberts and then we'll get to Yogi Roth a little later on. And now I'm pleased to be joined by my guest, Joey Roberts. Joey, as we're going to get into his story, is pretty fascinating, his path to get into 
really grassroots football on the high school level, but as well as in the professional level through ESPN. I think it's pretty inspiring. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Joey, thanks for joining us today on The Audible. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I'm a big follower. Uh, listen to as many podcasts on the drive to and from work, and, and yours is always one of the most informative out there in the sports world. I appreciate it. You have a couple of pretty interesting titles. Your first one is Senior Administrator of Personnel for the Alliance of American Football. That's a new league that's going to start up officially, I believe, in 2019, right? Yes. And, yep. and the other title is the Elite 11 Director of Scouting. And Joey's a go-to for all things quarterbacks, especially as, as uh, I've come to learn over the past four or five years. Before that, Joey worked at ESPN, and I want to get into that in a, in a minute. But before we go that, down on your personal path, so you had just got back from Texas recently for the opening. You had the Elite 11 going into that. What were your big takeaways from what you saw from some of the top talent and the who are going to be seniors in high school this year? You know, it's interesting, the big global thought around this this class, uh, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And, and the running joke within the quarterbacks is, you know, every recruiting expert out there, everyone who's got a Twitter account is saying this is the average 11. Hmm. And they're not that good. And next year's class is better. And I look back and I was sitting with Trent and we were talking it through. And it seems like every year that's, the narrative. Oh, this class is good, but next year's is really good. And every year it keeps kicking the can down the road. And then you have instances where true freshmen are starting and they're doing just as good, Sam Ellinger. And you wonder, you say, you know what? If you look at the evolution of quarterback and how much access to information they have nowadays and how much information really dictates the way that they're maturing and learning at a high level, we were thinking through this idea, like you go to Facebook right now, and you're a young quarterback and you're a parent, you can watch Tom Brady's documentary. You can watch how Baker Mayfield was drafted. You can watch how the Rams train. All at the click of the button for free. And all that information was, you know, top-notch. You'd have to pay big dollars back 10 years ago, and now it's accessible to every quarterback out there. So I think the evolution of quarterback, this class is just as good as last year's, and it's going to be just as good as next year's. Uh, and it obviously goes to where they go, system fit, coaching, personnel around them. But this class, it's, it's a really good one. They perform really well at the start as a whole. And individuals like Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix were cut above in that environment uh, with Ryan Holinsky. But overall, from a, a class being called the average 11, I, I look at it as it is the elite 11. This class is just as good as last year's class and the class before that. And they'll project out in two to three to four years, just like everyone. We'll see a kid in New York for the Heisman. We'll see a kid starting as a true freshman. We'll see a kid get drafted in the first round, just the way every class is played out. If you were a betting man, who would be the most likely of this group that you think would be going at least to New York to as a Heisman finalist of the quarterbacks? The, the MVP was Spencer Rattler. He had a, a very good start to finish, regional to finals to the star, the opening. And the, the beauty of Spencer was, if, if you followed it game by game, Spencer didn't start games three and four for Gerard Johnson's team. He was actually on the sideline charting for Brian Bauer. And that was one of the first times in Spencer's life where he had to be the backup, and he had to be a great teammate, and he had to chart, and he had to set in the stats for Brian that he was winning. 
So the way he handled failure, the way he handled assimilating with his, his staff and, and the players, that was almost the biggest takeaway for Spencer was that he can do it. We have a lot of kids that the first time that they're benched, it, it's, it blows up and they can't handle it and they don't have, they lose their two, so they lose their presence. Spencer didn't lose that. And then when he was called upon in the semifinals to come in and ultimately lead the team to a win, he did that. And then in the finals, he shredded the defense and ended up winning the MVP. So I would say, you know, if you're a betting man right now on in July um, of them heading into Syria, I'd go Spencer because not only is it what we got to see with the opening, it's also you got to give tip, tip your hat to Lincoln Riley and that Oklahoma staff. There's a reason why every single NFL team's coming through there the innovation that they have on offense, the way they're recruiting, the culture and the identity that they have within those walls, it's top-notch. And and they'll continue winning as long as he's there. And if they get a kid like Spencer, who the biggest detraction might be is, hey, he's a little narrow. He's a little Mm -hmm. small. I also look at, we had Deshaun Watson at 217 pounds, Houston Texans going into the second year. And you were there, Bruce. You were up there at the opening. Deshaun was narrow as a high schooler you didn't know how he was going to fill out if he would be able to take the the grind of being a quarterback at, in the ACC and then upwards in the NFL and I see Spencer's body in the same light as Deshaun's that it's going to grow you get a training table you get support set you get the weight room and obviously what they're doing out there in Oklahoma um, you can project Spencer to be out there if he's starting and leading his team, that he'll have every shot to be a Heisman finals. So as you said, Spencer Rattler, as a lot of our listeners know, is committed to Oklahoma. He's an Arizona kid. So you you guys had, at the Elite 11, probably four years ago, out of Texas, Kyler Murray, wildly successful there, undersized, even more so than, than Baker Mayfield is. What is the comparison? I know you mentioned Deshaun Watson, but what do you really like about skill set-wise about Spencer and how is he similar, and how is he different to the two guys he's going to follow at OU? I guess you, you draw the line similarities with their stature: six foot, six foot one, five eleven. As far as Kyler Baker and Spencer, so all the old school. Hey, you got to be six two and above, six three and above. We've never seen it succeed. They'll follow them. Uh, they'll, they'll follow Spencer. But you know, Trent was just quoted in a, a Monday Monday quarterback deal that he just with Albert Breer just saying, hey, the game is changing from the standpoint of Twitch and getting the ball out on time. And and it's a simple evolution. Um, and I'm here to talk about it as much as we want, but we talked to the kids and talked to Spencer and you talked to Bo and you talked to all these guys. And Bruce, you're around it. The game of football from a standpoint of offensive line play, it's not that offensive line coaches are not doing their job. They're just the amount of time that they have and the physicality the game requires to properly teach it, it's just not there from youth to college to pro. So just the time allotment to develop these guys properly is going from apples to oranges, apples and bananas as they're getting older. And in return, the guys who are there to chase and take the head off of the quarterback, it's apples to apples from youth on up. Go get the quarterback. Go set the edge. And they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and you got to see it at the opening, and I saw it just a couple days ago. I mean, you got 6'4", 250, running 4'4", Are you kidding me? And the, the combine study of how many guys 300 pounds and above that are running a sub-5-something-40 in comparison to 10 years ago. So 
quarterbacks, the ball just has to get out quicker. It's the Tom Brady rule, 2.5, 2.7. Ball out quicker means you're not going to be on your back, and, and that's what Spencer has. Spencer has twitch. Spen- Baker Mayfield has twitch, and that's what Kyler Murray, even though his sample size is, size is limited at the college level, it's what he demonstrated at Allen that you say, all right, he might be 5'10", he might be 5'11", but he has unbelievable twitch. And in that offense, the way that they're designing it, guys are running free. He has just as much as opportunity to have equal success as Baker or even more. I don't know where Stu is right now in our country, but I suspect wherever he is, somebody is walking up to him, giving a good sniff and going, why does this man smell so good? And the answer is because of Dollar Shave Club. Yes, that Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and, as Stu will quick to tell you, smell your best. You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that leaves your tush feeling tingly. And that's why Stu walks how he does. I'm a big fan of their amber and lavender calming body cleanser. Never smelled anything like it. Good luck finding a product that is that great at any store. All of your Dollar Shave Club products are made with top shelf ingredients that will not break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is included with your membership. So here's a great way and try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club products. And it's just for five bucks. You can get their exclusive daily essential starter kit. It comes with body cleanser, one wipe Charlie's, their amazing butt wipes, their world famous shave butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few bucks a month. Add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need for your bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash audible. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash audible. Was there a uh, other quarterback, because you guys had these kids at the Elite 11 out, you know, certainly you had them on the camp circuit, but then you guys had them in Los Angeles for for three days, then you're out with them at the start in Texas at the opening. Was there somebody who you really saw kind of open your eyes and maybe showed something different than you hadn't seen at previous stops? You know, a, a guy that came in a little lower, uh, we have a composite ranking amongst our war room, which is Trent, Dilfer, Brian Stump, Matt James, Yogi Roth, Bucky Brooks, and myself coming in from the regional. So that's their tape, which is 50% of the evaluation. So we don't shortchange them playing in pads. At the end of the day, you've got to be able to play in pads. You've got to be productive. 25% their, their stature, their measurables kind of projecting out how they physically can develop, and then 25% how they did in the, the regional process. So a guy that came in a little lower on all our composites was Brian Maurer mm-hmm. um, out of Florida, committed to Tennessee, and he climbed. He climbed because, he one, he showed he was extremely coachable. He showed he can buy in. He showed that he can take his six three and a half frame and with the compact delivery, with his ability to throw on and off platform, really make the, some difficult things look easy. And he probably made the biggest jump, if I were to look at where he was in Orlando, at the Orlando Regional, to the finals, ultimately to the opening as the quarterback that was Spencer's backup on the championship team, but also played a vital role in leading them to the championship. Any uh, skill guy that you got, you kind of kept noticing out there at, at the opening? We always laugh, Yogi and I, and Trent, 
the, it's unbelievable talent. You know, you look across the board and, and you've got dudes running four fours. You've got dudes with 42 inch verticals and they're mossing guys left and right. And we walk away and we barely kind of remember their names. But the MVP of the, the whole skill side of things was Cal Ford. And I would say from his ability to create separation and, and most importantly, contested catches, my takeaway with him. And that's just limited watching a couple of throws here and there. But unbelievable teammate, unbelievable coachability, and then obviously the ability to put it in a seven-on-seven format where he is going against the top DBs, the top safeties, and linebackers underneath. Yeah, his. I talked to a, uh, a Pac-12 coach about him over the weekend, and he just said, you know, we really like him. But it was it kind of was eye-opening to see that he kind of dominated at that level. It was just like, I think it, it kind of maybe gave some other people maybe I don't want to say it, it kind of made them reevaluate him a little bit. They thought he was good. Maybe they didn't realize he was quite that good to see the, just how he kind of rose up in that setting. So it's, I mean, it's interesting you say that and college coaches ask too. And, you know, we, for our evaluation standpoint, we always say, Hey, talent in your tape sets the floor, your character in your grit sets the ceiling. So in an environment like the opening for Kyle and for our quarterbacks, we have a, a grade called Control the Controllables grade, mm-hmm. and that's their presence, that's their thirst to learn, that's their assimilation into their team, their their how they treat support staff, and how they deal with failure. And it's ultimately a grade of 5 to 25, 1 to 5 being the best and worst, and each coaching staff member is responsible for their quarterbacks to grade them. And it's a great indicator because that is the intangibles. That is when... You know, Trent's not watching you. How are you really acting? And it's been a good indicator the past years as we've charted it to really get a grasp for, yes, your tape and your accolades and everything that goes with it. That's great for all these guys. I mean, they are truly talented individuals. But really, your intangibles and your grit and your mental makeup, how is that in an environment that's super uncomfortable because you are going against the best defenses with the playbook that you're learning on the fly with the receivers you you barely played with, and and then how do you compartmentalize that and ultimately execute? You guys also have access to a lot of the top college quarterbacks in the country who come out through the Elite 11, work as counselors, and you had a really strong group this year. Both Alabama quarterbacks were there, Jared Stidham from Auburn, Will Greer from West Virginia, Mackenzie Milton from UCF, Manny Wilkins from ASU, Drew Locke from Mizzou. I don't know if I'm missing anybody. I think that was Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley of Penn State. Yeah, you guys have had a lot of those kids as high schoolers too, and then you get to see them kind of keep evolving, keep growing. I'm curious. You had you had both Alabama quarterbacks. I had written for the Athletic about kind of the dynamic between Jalen Hurts and and Tua. How do you think it's going to play out this year with them? I mean, most people on the outside are convinced one is going to have to transfer. You hear a, a lot of talk that. Well, it's got to be Tua. His upside is so high. Nick Saban has got to has got to make him the guy. What do you What do you think is going to happen? Man, Bruce, I, if I did know, we can go to Vegas right now and, and we can put it on you know some number roulette. We can walk away with a lot of money. I I have no clue, and I know you, you want to answer, but seeing I think the beauty of what in the small sliver of what we get to see at the Elite Eleven, and you wrote about it, is how much they coexist with each other. And there's only one football, there's only one quarterback position. And I, 
on a bigger conversation, we talked, you know, to guys like Barton Simmons, who, who talked about five star quarterbacks transferring and four star quarterback transferring. It's just the one position that you just don't drop in and you're not a, a third down quarterback, just like you can put an edge rusher out there. You're not a slot receiver, the fourth guy on the roster, and you can catch 30 balls and then you can go back to your boosters and say, hey, you know what? Our five star, he's getting his feet wet and he's going to be good in sophomore year quarterback you're benched and you sit and then a kid comes along and he plays a little better than you and you might not see the field so for the Alabama quarterbacks I just is one of the biggest takeaways in my time with Elite 11 period is the way that they were able to interact the way that they were able to communicate to the 24 quarterbacks that by default I mean you wrote in your article one or two or maybe a lot of you guys are going to go into similar situation now is it going to be under the microscope as much as Alabama and Tua throw in a rail shot touchdown on the national title, probably not. But the way that they're able to gracefully coexist and they're able to kind of give back to the kids. So then that's one tool in their toolkit that they may have to activate as early as their freshman year, their sophomore year, or even their junior year. Hmm. Just uh, getting into your story personally. So you were a undersized to put it mildly uh, receiver at for Bob Johnson legendary so- Southern California high school coach right you kind of know you Undersi- pro- undersized again mild <laughs> we're, we're talking about really undersized I don't know what goes below that but yes <laughs> yeah so you know you're not gonna make a living playing football you go to college in Connecticut at Trinity a smaller school at what point do you think okay what is my career going to be how do I how do I have this, I have this passion for football, clearly. How do I make a living out of this? How do I make a career out of this? What, what's the plan going through your head when you're 18-year-old Joey Roberts, and how do you keep evolving that and keep fine-tuning it and, and work towards it? Yeah, it, it, um, at 18, I walked in in September in 2007 uh, into a Sunday countdown production meeting, and I remember Clear as day, I, I get... This is a Sunday talking. countdown, ESPN, you're in Bristol. How far is Trinity from Bristol? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Do you know and anybody? Like, Do you know anybody ahead of time at ESPN or no? So Bob Johnson and Chris Mortensen go back all the way to their South Bay days. Basically, Bob called up more and uh, on Yogi Ross' podcast, you know, I talked about it and saying, hey, I got a guy, you know, accountable, reliable, dependable, can you can you help him out? Can you put him to work? And more said, yeah, Bob, I'll go off your word, but you know you got to get him out to Connecticut. And at that time, I was going to University of San Diego and had my dorm room ready. And Coach Harbaugh's down there, and you know again, undersized is a really nice way of saying I'm really short and lack of athleticism and all that stuff. But going to walk on and and really just ultimately be a guy and be a business major. But I get out to Connecticut, find Trinity College because it's close to ESPN, not because of the prestige that it has as an academic institution. But I'm going to go work with this guy named Chris Morrison, who I've never met. He meets me outside Building 4 at ESPN. Hi, I'm Moore. You know, we talked on the phone. I'm about to take you into a production meeting. You know, if you can just silence your phone and just listen. And when I walk into that room on the second floor, you got Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, Keyshawn Johnson, Emmett Smith, Coach Dicka. And as you know, in a production meeting, and Greg Jewell and Stephanie Drulli, who are the producers and coordinating producers, Seth Markman and Mike Cambrari, and they're all, you know, in the structure of a show, 
you know, the A's, the B's. What do you think about the Dolphins? What do you think about the Patriots? And the way that they were talking and the way that they're able to move with and pivot on each thought and then argue and then come back and then debate and then stand pat in their philosophy, I was blown away. Like, my jaw dropped. And to your point, I'm like, when was the light bulb that went off? I'm like, how am I going to make this a living or how am I going to learn more? It was at that moment because I realized how much I wanted to know, but how much I didn't know. And that kind of put me down a road of every Saturday and Sunday I was with those guys. Every Saturday and Sunday, I'd maybe ask a question to Keyshawn. Maybe I'd ask a question to Boomer, uh, Tommy Jackson, and anyone that would kind of answer a question about football and about X's and O's, about evaluating players, about anything in the book, write it down and learn from it. And then so I organically got like a, a pseudo master's class going of real life work experience. And I look back on the projects I did for more and for the Sunday countdown crew and, and they're, they're pretty bad, Bruce. I mean, they, they had, they had a lot of patience with me. So showing up early, leaving late and, and in the fold, you know, Trent Dilfer joins on and, and then he takes over the lead 11, which I had been a receiver for under Bob Johnson. And that was just a one in a billion type of, mesh that happened when I was in college and then that's what kind of led me down the road of evaluating high school quarterbacks traveling the country regional by regional putting an evaluation each kid and being a part of a war room like I said with Matt James and Brian Stump and Andy Bark and that that's kind of the the quick evolution of when did the light bulb go off that you want to know more, but you didn't know, you don't know anything. And that was 18 years old with some of the greatest football minds in the game. So from the football side of it and the X's and O's, I mean, the level going from, you know, high school knowledge, even at a, a elite program like that one, to what you're talking about with the Trent Dilfers and guys at the highest level of the NFL who'd been in it for a long time. Like, at what point do you realize, I don't know what I don't know kind of thing, and then... You're starting from scratch and picking their brains and observing, and it's like, okay, you're getting a master's on that part of it too, not just from the career sense of production, but also from just the under the understanding of, of football on a technical level like that and what to look for and what matters and what doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think it's ultimately made me a really good listener because I didn't have anything to contribute to the conversation, and I'm just listening and and. Being in those environments, whether it's a production meeting or if we're in the war room and watching 10 games at once, and you just get to see the dialogue and what goes through a receiver's mind and what goes through a quarterback's mind and a defensive end's mind and the way that they're talking. It's basically like a big puzzle in my mind as I'm 18, 19, 20, and I'm organically putting this puzzle together off of thoughts from guys that have done it at the highest level. And then you're able to take that puzzle piece and then you know, another great defensive end walked through the building. Another great coach, Bill Parcells, walked through the building. And you're able to ask a question about that exact thought that you think is gold, but maybe it, it can use some refinement. And then ultimately, you get a guy like Trent. You get a guy like Mort and some other guys within that building and Bill Polian saying, all right, I'm going to take this kid's questions and I'm going to really dive into the weeds on it. And I'm going to really educate him at a higher level beyond masters, graduate level classes that you can't find on Google, you can't find on NFL Network or ESPN. It's the raw, organic stuff. And, you know, we have, Yogi says it to the quarterbacks, Jordan Palmer says the quarterbacks, you know, if you have something, give it away. 
if you have something really good, give it away. And I was lucky that there are a lot of people that have come through DSPN walls that I've worked with, that I've learned from, that ultimately have given away a lot of their good stuff to me. And then for me to hopefully take that all in and give it away to the next generation of guys. Well, Joey, it's great hearing your story. Obviously, I'm familiar with a lot of it, but even some of the details I wasn't versed in. I think it's awesome that you have taken an opportunity and run and run and run with it. And it's great to see people who, who do that. And like I said, it's very inspiring. I think for for a lot of our younger listeners who are who have a passion for something and they're not sure exactly how they can turn it into something, and, and you've been able to do that. So obviously continued success and appreciate you, you giving us a lot of insight today on the audible well thanks Bruce thanks for having me on continue to, to listen and learn and uh, like I said the, the drive to work and drive from uh, podcast is filled with your audibles because it is it is a learning experience every time I, I flip it on thanks Joe thanks Bruce now we're pleased to be joined by our other guest today on the audible it is former USC coach former Pittsburgh University of Pittsburgh receiver turned Pac-12 network analyst, but also Yogi Roth is very busy in his off season. He works with the Elite Eleven. He worked out at the opening this year. Yogi, thanks for joining us on the Audible today. Yeah, man. Anytime, Bruce. We go way back, man. So I'm pumped to do anything that you're doing. I appreciate that. So look, we could pick your brain on a lot of things on the field, but the thing I really wanted to bring you in on, especially now is one of the things I noticed, I did not get a chance to go to the opening this year. It was down in, uh, down at the Star in Texas. But I noticed that Brenda Tracy, who is a sexual assault awareness advocate and does a lot of really amazing work around the country, going to speak on campuses, and a lot of football programs have brought her in to help educate and raise awareness on, you know, amongst their programs. But I saw that she really seemed to have an impact, and you guys have seen had an impact on a lot of the top recruits who were out at the opening. It's 160 some odd guys, and what the message been, has been. And I was curious, you were there. Tell me about how that came about, and how you've seen made, these kids really embrace a really positive message like this. Yeah, well, I, I think you know collectively, it, it's a really unique team. I mean, everybody, and you met everybody on the Elite 11 staff, I mean, you wrote a book, the QB, on it, on that process. So you get the caliber of coaches and men that are on the staff. I think everyone on that staff has the ability to coach at the next level or levels, but for whatever reason, we don't choose to do that. So when we get time with the best in class, which is at the opening of the Elite 11, we pour ourselves into it. This, to me, the conversation around manhood began years ago. I can remember when Jameis Winston first got in trouble, and or at least allegedly. And for us, it broke our hearts, even just the, the, the news of it at the time, because it was so fresh. I mean, this was the Elite 11 MVP. This is a guy who would win over your heart when you get to know him. Um, just a great spirit about him. And I thought, as a guy who, you know, as the host of this documentary and one of the coaches, you know, they tasked me a lot of times to collaborate with everyone but guide the convo around well, who can we bring in off the field? You know, we, Trent likes to call it beyond the X's and O's. So it was after, it was that summer, and I said, man, you know, we try to talk to these guys about manhood, but we're not doing a great job. You know, other people were getting in trouble at the time in college, professional sports. 
I said, we are influencing the next generation of leaders. We need another voice. So we brought in Alexis Jones, who at the time was really well known in women's space, speaking on college campuses around just things that women deal with when they're in college. She started I Am That Girl, a nonprofit that's in over, I think, 200 countries now. And I had a conversation with her. And I said, what do you think about coming and talk to guys? You know, you're always talking to women. And she was like, yeah, let's go do it. So nobody knew her, even on our staff. They kind of just trusted my gut on this one. And we brought her up to the opening when it was in, in Portland, you know, or outside of Portland, Beaverton, near Nike's campus. And she came in at 7.30 in the morning. And I never saw a greater impact on the 24th time quarterbacks. So we got to keep this going. So every year we brought Alexis back in some capacity to talk to these young men. As the years have gone on and my role as a college football analyst, of course, I've been around the Brenda Tracy story. I got to call last year's game, the first ever of its kind, uh, called Set the Expectation Game, which is a game dedicated to, you know, bringing awareness and hopefully ending sexual and relationship violence on college campuses when ASU played at Stanford. So I had a kinship with her as well as the development with Alexis and her program called Protector. So really, the, the foundation is Alexis and Brenda are really two of the, you know, not only strongest voices, but kind of the only voices really talking to men in college and high school around manhood and sex and sexual assault and sexual violence. So we're like, we, we got to crank it up. Brought a couple guys last year to hear Brenda speak, Joey Roberts, somebody you know. He came and watched her, and we instantly looked at each other and said, we got to bring her. And Brian Stump and the crew at Elite 11 said yes. And uh, next thing you know, we were conversating with her early in the year about coming to the opening. She, of course, said yes. And she walked in. And when she gave her presentation, Bruce, I'm not sure if you've heard it before, but even knowing just the broad brushstrokes of her story, it's going to catch everybody's attention. And we had the top, I believe, 162 high school student athletes in, in football in the country there. And they were sitting in the Cowboys team meeting room. I mean, paint the picture, right? This is a world-class facility, all kind of like that uh, amphitheater style, staring right at her. And nobody said a peep, you know? And she goes through in graphic detail that breaks your heart, whether you've heard it a couple times like I have or first time or even her telling it again and again and again. It feels as though she's telling it the first time. And all you heard from the crowd was sniffles. And you saw guys wiping tears from their eyes because you can't help but imagine a, a mom, a sister, a friend. And I think that's the first layer that she strikes a chord in with these young men. But the fun part was the ripple effect after her hour presentation uh, at the opening. So what was that like? I mean, I've seen, seen some of these players' tweets and get retweeted onto my timeline. But what was, you know, obviously you can't, connect with all 162 players are not going to be kind of deputized for lack of a better term to go back into their communities and and become what uh you know what i wrote manny wilkins the former elite 11 guy who's still connected and, and has become a real champion for both what brenda and alexis are 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 speaking on as he's done at asu but what did you think the takeaway and see the impact of how a lot of these high school kids responded to it because it's not honestly when they go there they're there for the football you know they're they're there because hey they're going to be at this amazing facility they're there because they're anointed as four or five star guys i'm sure that's the main part of why they're there but when you get them there when you have their attention and 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 have their ear and and kind of put it in front of them what what was the takeaway you had from seeing how they handled it yeah well i think you're exactly right i mean you know, the quarterbacks, we get them prior to the opening. 
So they're already like indoctrinated into this is beyond football. I mean, the theme for us was I am this year more than a quarterback. So they're ready. So you got 12 guys in the room. They're dialed leaning into this. They've already met Alexis. But the rest of the players, you're right. They're there because they're best in class at their position group. And they know that they're going to come and compete and they're going to have a great time and get coached and, great, get, and get great gear and be on the world stage. But they don't know what they're getting off the field. And that, that to us is the fun part and the challenge. And you're right. You, you don't always get everybody. But to me, it really boiled down to the three buckets after her presentation. One is that we challenged everyone because they would go to position groups after her meeting. They all got her set the expectation uh, letter, which if you sign that pledge, then just like everyone at Stanford or other colleges or even now conferences in collegiate athletics, when you sign that, you know, you're making an affirmation that you have set the expectation to and stop, speak up, be brave around sexual violence. Because the reality reality is one in four women on average reported are sexually assaulted on college campuses. Those are just reported. And when it's a home game at night, I believe the number is sexual assault jumps 40% on college campuses. So when the players heard that, you know, their ears perked up. So, so number one, they, you know, every player there signed to set the expectation pledge, really set the opportunity to. Number two, what I watched was, you know, Brenda, thankfully, she canceled her flight that night and she stuck around for an extra day and a half. And she was just kind of floating in the stadium outside and it would be one, two, 15, all of a sudden 30 guys would be around her. And that happened at all ages from the student athletes to the coaches to the executives that were there throughout the day and a half that she was there. So there's a lot when she talks about that you can imagine resonates with people like, you know, for instance, Manny, right? There's a high school student athlete very similar to Manny Wilkins witnessed abuse when he was a child, right? Those are the people that would go up to her and, or you know, have been around sexual violence or don't know how to, for instance, ask a girl to, how to have sex or think they need to be the guy who, you know, this is what we talked about in our discussion afterwards. You know, it's money, cars, and girls. Like they think they need to be that loud persona because that's what is celebrated a lot of times in professional sports, which I think is a, it's another podcast, but there's major issues um, in the NFL, which clearly have trickled down all the way down to high school. So that was the second one. And then I think the third one was probably the most powerful for me. Uh, I got to sit in on a mentoring session in position groups. So there's a point in time at the opening for the listeners where you go into the receiver room, the running back room, the linebacker room, and the college players that are there, because they're the best in class, you know, it's the top defensive lineman from Michigan, it's the top running back, like Bryce Love from Stanford, you know, Rashawn Gary, as I was referencing, they're there as well, and they go into a room, and it's kind of a ask-anything type of situation for about 45 minutes to an hour. And I sit, I sat in on the running back room. And to me, to sit in there and listen to the questions being asked and the responses was one of the most powerful experiences I've had in my decade now with the Elite 11 in the opening because you saw some student-athletes in the room being dramatically affected, talking about, wow, like I'm totally changing my ways or I did not realize the stats were like this or I thought of my mom. And then you had some continue to talk with a dialogue that clearly they wouldn't say in front of Brenda, let alone a woman that they respected. So for me, what I got to do is guide a discussion in that room around, hey, are you realizing what you're saying when you say a uh, slur that's you know perceived negatively towards women mm-hmm. or has a sexual innuendo to it? And the 17-year-olds didn't because they're like, that's just who I hang with. That's what I do. So I got to play out a scenario with them of what that does for you in your career. 
And if you keep using that language or you keep you know, creating those habits, you're going down a dark road. And you're definitely not setting any expectation, let alone one that, you know, should be the standard at your institution that you choose to go to. And those are the combos that I've been having with uh, student athletes from the opening. And so, so I guess my point is I've seen the big picture impact, small group, and then individuals with kids that I'm texting now, sending them Alexis's TED Talk or sending them articles on sexual violence. And they're going to become the Mannies or the Justin Rogers who created an organization off of his influence via Alexis Jones. He's a TCU quarterback who redshirted a year ago in his hometown. And if we can do that, because I believe our role is to influence, like I said earlier, the next generation of leaders. And if we don't look at it like that, then we're like another one of these camps that just swag dudes out and you're playing in the sandbox. And that is not what Trent, myself, Brian Stump, Andy Bark, what was created. I mean, that clearly isn't what we're doing. I mean, you've written about that. So we take it seriously, man, and, and I felt the impact um, and continue to, and I think it's on us as coaches to keep that conversation going and then urging college coaches like the Chris Petersons, Clay Helton, the, the guy, I, I don't think there's a college coach that wouldn't embrace this discussion to continue to have it because it's like coaching up a slant. you got to keep doing it. You can't just coach it up on day one install. So hopefully this just begins the process a little earlier for these young men. Do you feel... I see emboldened by now that you've seen it's not just Manny. You mentioned you know Justin Rogers is you know I saw him. I guess he was going through his first spring ball three months ago at TCU. You have you have already now some of these guys who have been out there and their eyes are open and now they know they're using their platform and they have pretty big platforms on social media and that's what you know kind of struck me was seeing not just the quarterbacks quarterbacks we're thought are supposed to be the leaders but in reality you can have some of these other guys who are studs at other positions and they have pretty big followings and they can have their own sizable impacts that i mean does that hey we are we are getting traction in this do you feel that way because you can kind of get inundated by also the negative stories i mean look Jameis winston was in the news again you know a few weeks back and there are there are plenty of negative stories out there, so it's like you're kind of constantly seem like you're not you per se, but are just kind of like battling a, 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 what feels like an uphill climb sometimes. Yeah, it is, you know. But like you, you got to do it, right? I mean, that's what was so fun being a part of Protector with Alexis. You know, she she's created a film and educational series that coaches can purchase for their team, and it's constant education that a lot of coaches don't know or aren't you know maybe haven't gone through the training. Right? So it's kind of like you're trying to provide answers to help a little bit. And, yeah, you're, you're inspired by it. I mean, I think the big thing for us is to give guys tools to play. Right, We do that all the time. That was a huge theme for us this year at Elite 11. Every coach tries to do that for their student athletes. But give them tools off the field. You know, And the simple one that we teach them is do you have the guts to walk up to a teammate in a locker room as an alpha male or a freshman and when you hear something that clearly is not on the right path and say, Hey, man, we don't do that. You know, as simple as that. Like, do you have the guts to say it? And if you don't, let's talk about it. Why don't you? Right? And then I take it to another level. What's up with the position coach? What's up with the head coach? What's up with the coordinator? What's up with the culture? You know, and that's why I don't have a problem when people like yourself and journalists talk about cultures on campus. And if ones aren't appropriate, change it. Or, you know, I got no problem when they take a fall if, if the culture is not built to educate now it's going to be hard because we're never going to stop all of them like that's that's not going to happen but to begin the process is necessary 
and to educate the process is a responsibility. And, and I say that on the heels of five years ago, a student athlete when asked, "Why do you? Or what, what do you? What do you believe a woman's a woman's role is on college campus?" And his response blew my mind, and it was basically to mm-hmm. to have sexual relations with, right? To to say it much more PC on your show here. And then when pressed, why do you feel like you need to do that? A lot of them say, well, everybody tells me that's what's cool. So then you look back in history, right? Whether it's commercials, music videos, movies, you know, like who's, who's, dis- who's creating content that's saying what's cool. And now, thankfully, you know, we've got some role models out there that are doing the right thing. And what I love is the ones that do the wrong thing. Hopefully the fall is dramatic. You know, you're losing endorsements. You're kicked out of the league. I mean, I have a harsh stance, man. If you're convicted of a sexual crime, I don't think you should ever be allowed to play again. Take your jersey. You can go get a job, but you don't get to be a role model anymore. Like you've given up that right. I mean, you committed a crime, specifically a sexual one. And I hope those conversations keep going. And I think we're just getting warmed up, but we jumped right into the deep end. And I think you see coaches doing that. Um, part of it is because... They don't know what to say sometimes, or they know that constant education is way more important than, you know, another meeting on, you know, being a hole dropper in 3D uh, coverage. You know, so I, I think that the culture is changing or has already changed, you know, in major college football. So let's get them early because the reality is now, and I believe this wholeheartedly, we're dealing with what is called the iGen generation, the iPhone generation, right? They grew up with Google. And they also grew up being loved up in dramatic ways. I mean, you're talking about, let's just talk USC. I'm calling them week one. They've got two corners this year that came in with over 40,000 social media followers. JT Daniels, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, they've got over 30. That was just on signing day, 30,000. So imagine what it's going to be week two, week three, Stanford, Texas. I mean, the platforms are going to grow, which means the voices are going to grow and get louder, good, bad, and different. And the opportunity is going to be there, good, bad, and different. So how do we help them sift through that? How do teams and organizations help them sift through that? So if you can give them a foundation of what manhood looks like, wow, what if they're looking at that lens and through that lens to the one of, hey, we don't do that, and it's Bryce Love, or it's Patrick Laird, or it's Rashawn Gary, or it's these, these young men that have real voices in this generation. Because the NFL players that are stars now – they got those voices recently because of social media. But these guys now, they're walking in at the opening with 30,000 followers and being told what the man is or what they think the man is perceived to be. And a lot of them do think that it's money, cars, women, offers, saying how sweet they are, retweets, double taps. And we're saying, hey, man, like that's cool. Enjoy it, enjoy it embrace it, have a blast with it. But use your platform for some good, and no one would disrespect their mom, which is like the easy go-to. So don't disrespect the woman around the corner or someone you meet on campus, let alone if you see something, say something. And that's been a really fun part of the process. Mm. Well, it's very cool to see it, it being bigger than just football. Because I know I, I don't, you know, it's both our livelihoods, and it's not, we don't look at it as just football, but at the, at the same time, there are things that are bigger than that, and I think that's pretty awesome when people can can do that and, and, and leverage it and take, you know, impact people, not just with what they do on the field. And, and that's why I was so compelled to go write and go tell people about Manny Wilkins' story, and that's why I think 
you know, just seeing some of what I saw coming out of the opening, I thought was 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 quite honestly refreshing, and not because I yeah. hadn't seen it in 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 up close at the at the at the Elite Eleven, but just it was on a different threshold. I think when you have 160 guys and in that, yeah, you know, what was really cool, Bruce was before the student athletes touched the football, like literally before they touched one football, they heard from Brenda. So you think about the importance from Nike, from student sports, stack sports, you know, the Elite 11 opening staff. It's not just to check the box. Let's bring in somebody to talk about sexual violence. I mean, Brenda's clearly a polarizing type of character. You know, it was a stance. You know, it's a firm stance. And, and that was something that, you know, you're, you're proud of to be a part of. Because you're right. The football is, is amazing, but for a lot of these guys, you know, we track them, right? The 162 every year, it's between that and 166. Like, some of them never start. Some of them drop out and never play. So this may be the height of their entire career. And that's okay. Like, that's that's a truth for a lot of these guys. A lot of the quarterbacks, as you know, this is as good as it's going to get for them in terms of being on, an, on the biggest of stages. So when they're at that, that stage, what are you teaching them? You know, it, it better not be how cool they are. And here's a video to post about yourself on your Instagram page. Like, there has to be more to that. And that is a very serious discussion that it goes, you know, starting with Annie Bark uh, all the way down to, to us as the staff. And it's fun to do it. You know, you're taking a risk. You didn't know how it was going to go, but you just believe that you're doing the right thing. And, you know, it's like as, as a reporter, as an analyst, you want to tell those stories. You want to share and shape those stories if you can. And uh, it, was, it was a cool moment, indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, you can follow Yogi on Twitter at Yogi Roth. I encourage you to do that. He's uh, he never seems to have a bad day, which is which is a talent in itself. And you can catch him on the Pac-12 Network or follow him on Instagram as well. Thanks, Yogi. Thanks, brother. If you enjoy our podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the Audible on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. We'd like to thank our presenting sponsor for 2018, Trader Joe's. We'd also like to thank our producer, Nick Fink. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. You can download their music on iTunes or Spotify. You can subscribe to my college football website, The All-American, by going to theathletic.com slash theaudible, where you get a 25% discount and a seven-day free trial. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB on Twitter. You can follow me at SL Mandel. See you next time. We're